Like Amsterdam at 3 a.m. I like Spanish wine, burgundy red. Call me a connoisseur, a carnivore, sophisticated. Curated palate, gotta have it when it's on my plate. Getting impatient, I'm fixated. Don't you keep me waiting? Come on, feed my craving. I got taste, taste. Oh, you're just my type. Feel my appetite. Can't stay away, way. Tonight I'm in the mood for a little something new. Give me a taste of you. You're listening to Opinions and Beer. And opinions, opinions and beer. Two guys and another guy will never happen again. Hello and welcome to Opinions and Beer. We're your hosts, I'm Adam. I'm Tyler. And I'm Keenan. Today we've got Casey McQuillan on the podcast. Woo! <laughs> Woo! We're so excited to have her on. Uh, how are you doing today? Um, I'm fabulous. I love drinking. I love drinking beer. <laughs> and I was actually nominated for most opinionated in high school, my high school superlative. Uh, I did not win, so I could be more opinionated, I guess, but I feel rather prepared for today's <laughs> interview. That's great. That's great. Like, uh, before we get, I like your song Bourbon, by the way. Thank you. Before we, before we got into any of like the topics or anything, I just wanted to let you know, I like that song. Thank you. And my alcohol themed song, I think it's very appropriate (laughs) that we took a listen to that. (laughs) Now, uh, Miss Casey, this is uh, opinions and beer. For those that don't know, this is a, uh, a very weird podcast. We, we, (laughs) we review craft beer in a, in a storyline like manner. Uh, basically, <laughs> well, basically, basically, the we're on a quest to find the best craft beer for uh, Michael Jai White's brewery that he doesn't really own, uh, Ferrante Jones Brewery. Uh, you can see back here we have uh, beers that we've made uh, based off previous guests of the podcast. We've got um, uh, Michael Gross beer right there. We have John Hedder beer. Uh, we have uh, uh, Kung Lao beer from Mortal Kombat and uh, all kinds of stuff. So we, <laughs> it's just the uh, interesting things that we do. So one day you will be a beer too. I love that. <laughs> First time for everything. And but, speaking of beer, I guess we're going to move on to. Oh yeah. Uh, do you have a, uh, they said that you would be uh, having some craft beer with us today. So I'm drinking this beer because okay, it's okay. the first beer I found in the bucket of beers I have downstairs that said sour on it. Cause I hear you guys are big sour fans. And yeah, today yeah. we're actually reviewing a sour. Yeah, Perfect. We, we review sours a lot, actually. I really like sours. A lot. <laughs> well, so, very recently. It's been a very recent uh, trend of the sours. So I guess we'll pass yeah. that uh, one to you. So we do, a, we do the beer of the day, and then we uh, get into the uh, chat and whatnot. We review the beers that we're drinking. Uh, I guess you can, we would like for you to as well review and talk maybe about the beer that you just had before we get into uh, everything. I know I said I'm opinionated, but I think other than good or bad, I would not be able to uh, analyze my beer at all. <laughs> well, I was raised in a Bud Light household, so my standards are on the floor. Couldn't be lower. My parents actually wrapped a big bottle of Bud Light in aluminum foil for their limousine in on their wedding day because they didn't oh, want to drink beautiful. champagne. So that's a country girl right here. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed that. Like one of your songs was uh, about that. Like you know, uh, forgive me, I'm forgetting the lyrics, but it's like you know, uh, 
I'm sure you know the song better than I, I do. Uh, what, what song was it where you're like, uh, I'd rather be, you know, in a pickup truck, you know, driving down 65? That's an old song of mine. Wow, you guys did your homework. It's a song of mine called Come Back to Me. Yeah, oh, um, what it was that, that was the music video. Yeah. Oh my god, thank thank you guys so much. Yeah, yeah it's pretty good. It, like so, that really hit home because we you know we're here in the south, and it's like, oh man, like that hit home so much. I was like, I know sixty five. It goes <laughs> doesn't it? Different sixty five, but still, we have our you know a sixty five over here down here <laughs> in Texas. So today yeah. we are reviewing the beer of the day. And today's beer of the day is by Drecker Brewing Company. It is Black Forest Black Forest Cake Slang Du Jour. It's a sour, it's a chocolate it's sour a la mode. It's a chocolate cake sour, coming in at a I don't know eight percent something. Eight percent? Where? Where's it say that? I don't know. I, th- I, th- I thought that's what it said. Well, you you jumping the gun on the percentage, <laughs> bro? It's whatever. No, seven point three. Seven point three. Damn, it has like Close. stats on the side and everything. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we know this thing's backstory and its stats. Well, that, that's the thing with Drecker. They like to post like exactly what's in it. The, the if you want to make it yourself, it's got its constitution rating and its <laughs> intelligence score. Oh, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Roll for initiative. Open. Roll for initiative. Rocks fall. The party dies. Is, is it purple? <laughs> it is purple. It's very purple. That is not the color of chocolate. <laughs> no, I mean, but it, I, I don't like. I've never minded one of our beers that we review. What um what beer are you drinking, by the way? So I'm at, from P- Black Hog Brewing Company. Oh yeah, you heard and of it's them, a Adam? Strawberry kiwi guava sour. That's oh, wow. that sounds it's actually good. pretty good. It, said, uh, it sounds better than ours with chocolate and stuff. <laughs> and it says it's independent craft certified. Oh, oh heck yeah! So look, so, uh, there we go. Supporting supporting small breweries. Hell yeah. <laughs> So, uh, you ready to try this beer? Uh, well, I've smelled it. You smelled it? You smell it? Yeah. Ready's a strong It smells word. chocolatey. It does smell chocolatey, but what, it also why there's is it like purple. Because it's. What's in Black Forest cake? Uh, raspberries? Okay. Black Forest Black cake. Berries, Black guess. Forest it's like, cake. Oh, so it's probably not. I can tell you exactly what's in Black Forest probably... cake. Very dangerous aliens that are trying to keep quiet <laughs> so that people don't get in contact with them. Oh, my goodness. Uh, independent military. No. That's good. I don't taste any chocolate. I well, barely chocolate. Yeah, it's give it a bigger gulp, and then like I always say on the after breath. (laughs) Yeah, you can taste the chocolate in that. I'm so happy it's just a chocolate aftertaste. (laughs) It's like, it's like um, chocolate milk with some like fruity stuff in it. I don't don't know how to describe that. Be like blackberry chocolate milk. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Which you know. I didn't. What's the cake? It's supposed to be black, black forest, forest cake? cake. That's what I said earlier. So it's probably, probably supposed to be like black forest berry cake with chocolate. Yeah. Which isn't bad. I mean, but, uh, how, once again, though, how much did this cost for this four pack? It was like twenty five bucks. Mm. <laughs> 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 I ain't ever doing this one again. You know what I mean? This was a one time jam. It tastes like twenty five bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see, twenty five divided by I mean twenty. That's like five bucks a, a can. Or a little bit more. Five bush lights. No. Yeah, it, it gets you like a million uh, Keith Stones. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you got to pay extra for the craftness. All right. What, what do we give it? What, 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 what do we well, give we'll, it? We'll, we'll sit on through the episode. We'll do the uh, official review at the I've end. I've already got mine. What? I've already got I've mine. I've already got mine. I've already got mine. 
Go what you got to do is you've got to keep that number in your head and see if it's different by the end of the episode. Yeah, do a oh, test with yeah, yourself. Like so I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and give mine right now. I think this ladies and gentlemen, I think this is a 6. A 6. Sorry. I think this is a 6. This is a semi cute 6. We said you wouldn't buy it again. No. I wouldn't buy it again. Yeah, that's for more generous. I was going to give it a 5. <laughs> no, 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 no. This uh, is a 6. This I'm going to sip on it cuz I don't know yet. Give it a solid 6. If it goes up by a point, I will be surprised. Anyways, Miss Casey, thank you for sticking around while we just sat there and chatted about beer. Of course. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, like I can say it was great to have you on the podcast. Uh, I guess let's jump right into this stuff. Um, you were on season 13 of American Idol. Is yes, that correct? Yes, I was. Yes, back in the day. What, uh, what, what were some of the things you took away from uh, being on that show? You know, I think reality TV is can can be a great opportunity if you're well positioned to, you know, use it as like the marketing branch of the business you already have created. Um, but I think we pitch these reality TV shows as um, the job within it itself that like if you go on this show you get the exposure, you're going to be successful. And I think the market is very saturated. And so I think while it is great to get that many eyeballs on you, um, you do trade a lot away in the contracts that you sign. And I think you got to know, am I, am I well positioned in my business model for net, for an influx of viewership to be at its max impact at this point in my career? And I think the downside of these shows is they do market heavily to an appeal to people who don't have a lot of access to um, knowledge about the music industry and don't have a lot of access knowledge about their legal rights and what they're giving up and these kinds of things. And so it is a balance um, between the opportunity that comes with the exposure and kind of the position it puts people in who are not familiar with the music industry and who are being put in a position where they're signing a, a, a very serious contract. Um, so I definitely am really happy I did it. You know, I, I learned a lot, but I also at the time was at Berklee College of Music in Boston. I was getting a dual degree in songwriting and music business. And even then it was a really overwhelming process. My dad's a lawyer. Like I had a, about as about as much of a leg up going into the process as I could have, but I was 21 and it was, you know, it's very overwhelming. So I always say to people, um, you know, if you, if you wouldn't be willing to drive around and play in a hundred coffee shops, you're not yet ready to go on one of these shows because that's, if, if you do manage to hit, that's what you're going to need to do after this. You're going to need to hit the ground running. You're going to need to have your socials, everything absolutely running. It's not something they do for you. And so um, if, you know, I, I, I have like a few books, people reach out to me all the time and I have like these books I recommend to people like read this book, like everything you need to know about the music industry, read it before you go on. And if you're not willing to read a 200 page book, you're probably not ready to commit yourself to a life in the music. <laughs> yeah. But oh, bro, I just wanted to play guitar and party, man. <laughs> Calm wanted... down. You know? And that's fair. To... Like if you want to go and you know, you genuinely have no aims at a career and you just want to go on one of these shows for fun. Of course, you know, but I don't think that's most people. I think most people get on these shows and they feel like, oh my God, this is my break. I'm yeah, gonna yeah, course, I'm gonna yeah. do this. And um I don't really believe in breaks after this long in the industry. I think you um 
I've, I've learned the experience. Like I was on uh, American Idol, actually went on twice. I went on two seasons in a row. Before that, I'd been auditioned to a, uh, invited to audition for The Voice. I've been invited to audition for The Voice multiple times. America's Got Talent. Because here's the thing, I'm good enough to be on one of those shows. So therefore, the American Idol was not my only opportunity at this. Yeah. And that's what I always tell people. Like I met, I was on the road and I met this young girl who just signed a modeling contract in LA and didn't shock me one bit. You know what I mean? 17 years old, 6'2", gorgeous. And her mom was all concerned. And what I said to her was, girl, they have eyeballs. Other agencies have eyeballs. If you get a bad feeling, walk away. They, if anyone ever says to you, I'm your one shot, leave. Because oh, if yeah. you're really so shitty that they don't think anybody else would want you, why are they working with you? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that's, I think, the energy that these reality shows can have sometimes. Like, this is your one shot. That's not a healthy mentality to go into anything. Is it with. though? It's not. <laughs> yeah. It's a great, and not to say you shouldn't take the opportunity super seriously and like give them your all. But if you're starting to compromise your values, there should be. In every industry and in every single workforce, like uh, I always, I will like, if I hear that from any employer, you know, just like regular jobs, like that'll make me want to leave a job quick. Like <laughs> I'm your one shot. I'm the only reason why you get your, to pay your bills. But like, well, I was looking for a job and I found you. Correct. hundred percent. So I think that's, that's an important thing in the, in the music industry in general, any of the entertainment industry, which can be a pretty brutal <laughs> cutthroat industry especially for young women i'm very protective of the young girls that come to me asking for advice because it is a more dangerous industry for women um and the thing i just say to them is if anyone ever implies to you that they're your only hope they are gaslighting you because they don't want you to know how great you are because they're afraid you'll leave yeah so anyway American Idol didn't gaslight me. They were lovely too. Okay. <laughs> just, just to point that out. Yeah. Just a message yeah. to American Idol if they're listening. Oh, yeah, don't say Simon. <laughs> Simon. Oh my goodness. Uh, what? Yeah. What's the? Uh, what was the backstage process like to that? Do you have to like put a pause on life, or is it like uh, like weeks in advance, like one day out of the month, you go and do something? Or so um, it kind of happens in segments. Um, I actually for my first time on idol i flew out to omaha nebraska of all things <laughs> um kind of heard through the grapevine a little bit ended up at the audition uh out there and that was like an experience i went out had kind of a unique experience where i basically went right in front of the judges which is not how it normally is people normally wait in line for a long time um but went right in front of the judges and did had like one of the craziest days of my life i mean i was only 21 you know i'd never done anything like this and so you know, they take B-roll of you, which is like the stuff they put over behind a voice, a voiceover, you know, for like hours. And it was an incredibly exciting day. It was a very exhausting day. Um, and then when you go to Hollywood, you fly out, Idol flies you to Los Angeles. Um, and that's like a two week, like a long week process um, where it's kind of every day and it's really hardcore. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, it's it's just a really interesting like social experiment in a way like it's a very oh, yeah. interesting oh, yeah. environment um like <laughs> something i would say is i think they purposely i don't know i don't know i have a, i have a suspicion that they they they're not upset if you don't have the opportunity to sleep very much 
because oh, people who yeah. don't sleep a lot are very emotional. Oh. And so I, you really don't sleep very much at all. It seems seemingly unnecessarily. <laughs> um, and yeah, even I, you know, at one point I was like, did like, it's called like the group, the, there's like a group thing where you do like by yourself and then you get with the group. And um, I was kind of like the de facto captain of my group. And, um, so, you know, social experiment, it's interesting. People, you pair off. And I'm the kind of person that like, I just went up to all the people that looked like they were going to like pee themselves. They were so scared. I was like, do you want to be in my group? Because like, like people, you know, it was, it was a lot of like alphas trying to come together kind of thing. And that's just yeah. not my energy. <laughs> um, I just don't want to be around people <laughs> like that. And so, you know, I had these like three sweet kids that were in my group and, you know, we tried, we were very strategic, tried really hard. And it ended up being that I was the only one who made it through the round. Um, and you know, the camera's in your face right after this like emotional cut, you know, where I made it through, but the rest of my group didn't. And like the cameras caught me crying. And like, I, again, was coming in with like a pretty reasonable concept of like the importance that this had in my life. And even I, you know, running on two hours of sleep, emotions that high, energy that high, like was caught by the camera, like crying. And so I think that's something that can happen is, you know, there's 15 year olds on the show who are bawling hysterically and there's a camera in their face and they're, you know, they're either being emotionally manipulated or they're experiencing an extreme situation that's causing their emotions to run high. And four months later, it's on national TV you know, a snippet of them having that emotional response. They just have you doing so much stuff that you, you're not able to sleep. Is that what you're saying? It would be like, you need to, you need to sign, you need to get a sign off on your song for tomorrow. And this hours you can do it are between, you know, 10 and 10 PM and midnight and then call, which is like the time you have to be red camera ready, which of course for a woman takes like an hour to get camera ready. <laughs> call would be at like 4 AM. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Be required to be up from ten to twelve, and then you'd be required to be somewhere at four in the morning. Dang. And then the judges wouldn't show up till like three p.m. So I'm like, that why have we been? Why have we been here for twelve hours? So, so you, uh, so you think they just do that to amp up the drama? You're saying, like, because like you to said, make the less sure you sleep, to, the more emotional you yeah, are. The more the, emotional you are, the better. I you mean, are definitely. They always, of course, production always has like ample time built in on the edges because they. It's, it takes a lot to get 500 people from one place to another. You're 100 people or however, but like, it's a lot. It's a lot going on. I started to feel that, I would say that at the very least, our ability to sleep and emotionally regulate was at the absolute bottom of their list of priorities. <laughs> and a more cynical view would be that they actually viewed it as a plus, that that wasn't built into the schedule. Okay. But that was, I just came out, and this is like, I <laughs> I, the, the people who worked on it were the nicest people ever. I just felt that the system that they were working in definitely wasn't designed to like maintain people's emotional health. That was not a, a priority Dang. in my, in my experience. Of course not. It was made by a producer. <laughs> well, it's not a, you know, it's a talent show, but it's not, it's not really, it's, would you think, do, do people think, do you guys think that the goal of American Idol is to have the best singer in the country or is the goal of American Idol to make a good TV show? Make a good TV show. Let's make a good TV oh, show. Man, she just blew my mind. I forgot. Like, I was, you know, I, I was going to say, like, of course it's always. Well, is the, is, the goal of the, is the goal of The Bachelor to find a great couple or is it 
to make drama. They care yeah. about love. Yeah. Like the bachelor, the bachelor. I always go for the more cynical point of view around here. Yeah. And like, listen, people have love fallen in love on The Bachelor and Kelly Clarkson came out of the American Idol. So like, oh, it yeah. can work, you know what I mean? Like it does work in American Idol's favor to find talent, but it especially works to have fine talent that's gonna cry. My wife always, <laughs> my wife always likes to make the comment, um, Adam Lambert came in second place on a on a season of American Idol next to uh, what was his name? John Mayer. See how long it took me to remember his name? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Adam Lambert, John Mayer. Adam Lambert has, you know, he he took he took that like you were saying, he took that he hit the ground running. He took that platform that they set him up with. He came in second place. He didn't win, even though they were saying, oh, look at John Mayer. He's the big winner. He's the big winner. He's the big winner. Adam Lambert's career kind of outshines didn't John Mayer's. Almost everyone who's made a career after American Idol, like, they weren't even the, the winners. Did Daughtry win? Did no, he came in eighth. Oh, did, uh, see, did Kelly Clarkson win? Kelly Clarkson and Carrie Underwood both won. All right, that ruins my point. <laughs> no, but there's been like there's been like 20 seasons of American Idol. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that all being said, I'm glad I went on. However, I think that a lot of the young the young kids that come to me asking for advice about these shows, they think that they can just go on these shows and then they don't have to work for their career. I don't think that that's true. Or they don't think that like doing that is the equivalent of work. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it. They think like, oh, you just show up, you sing, you sing a song, and then you're famous. Well, my like comparison is you guys, uh, you guys, uh, big hockey fans or basketball fans? Hockey, I like, uh, okay, yeah, hockey, hockey fans. Okay, me too. My seasons, my family's got season tickets to the Bruins. Pretty hard. Oh yeah. Um. So, American Idol is to music as a shootout is to hockey to someone who doesn't know what hockey is a shootout and hockey look very similar but as we know there are great hockey players who suck in a shootout and there are um there are people currently you know in their backyard play practicing the shootout shot over and over who would be better then you know chara from the bruins at a shootout but aren't six seven and can't kill a guy you know what i mean and so the skill set that is valued as someone who has the skill set the skill set that is valued on these shows to an untrained eye looks like just the skill set of the music industry but it's actually not it's a very 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 specific skill that you cannot have that skill and aka bob dylan be one of the most successful musicians of all time and you can have that skill aka all the winners of american idol that we can't remember and make no career and so i think it's always funny that i go on every interview and this is no hate to you guys every single person the first thing they say to me is you're on american idol and to me i'm in the nhl and people will not stop talking about how i'm great at shootouts and i'm like yeah, I am. Thank you so much. But like, I actually play hockey. People are like, I know shootouts, and I'm like, no, 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 no hockey, <laughs> hockey. shootouts. And they and so that's like, I think kids see sh- shootouts and they think I'm gonna be in the NHL, baby. And it's like, 
Can you handle the pressure? Can you get up every day for the next 30 years and train? Are you huge? Can you fight? Can you I was like, just about all, to say, can you fight? <laughs> all these things that go into being a hockey player that wouldn't be reflective reflected in someone's ability to shoot a puck. That's why I love hockey. Like, man, he was great. He just, he couldn't fight. He didn't make it. <laughs> the way I got into hockey was uh, like, just... About about ten years ago, a buddy of mine he introduced me to it, and he always said, "You ever go to a fight in a hockey game breakout?" <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 I it's, hate it's, the fighting it's... in hockey. In my first, I hate it. Oh, I'm yeah. like the only hockey fan who feels that way. But I just like really don't like violence, and I just think it's indicative that it's not necessary to the sport because women's hockey doesn't have fighting. Oh, so it can't be. It, it can't be like literally. About if you couldn't remove it from the sport, then women's hockey would have fighting. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, it must not actually be necessary. It's just like a guilty pleasure for me because, like, my favorite movies about hockey are Goon and Goon Goon, 2. Because I love Ross the Boss, Raya. You know, I love Ross the Boss. (laughs) Like, honestly, I'm I'm okay with sanctioned consensual agreed upon violence amongst each other that's the best standard of, of <laughs> violence for sure like you know i don't want anyone to get hurt that doesn't want to get hurt but if you want to get hurt come on yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, it's, it's a it's a great game so anyway that's my that's the way i describe american idol to three men who drink beer <laughs> well, you know, you know, it's really cool. And we all understood just, it. And you're the one that asked. Like she what? said, every time. Well, no, man, every time. Every time, time she's like. on an interview, you're like, oh, oh yeah. I like first it. First words out of your mouth. You well, it's my publicist's fault. Is that your fault? I'm sure. I like hearing that. Well, I didn't ask her about her. T- oh, I did. But like backstage, more stuff because I like hearing that stuff. <laughs> I, I like hear because like, yeah, because when we had we cause you I mean, wanted to hear like oh yeah Simon Cow walks around and he slaps people I and he's like this fucking no. rule Simon Cow wasn't on that Ramsey. <laughs> but uh no <laughs> no I was I mean I got to give you guys credit you came out with two songs of mine and you referenced the lyrics so oh, yeah. you're coming in strong don't get me wrong the, my uh, wife's kind of a I fan. Just, Oh my gosh, great. Let's get her to really, let's get all of you to actual fans. Kind of a fans is halfway. We no, gotta, we gotta, we gotta graduate you guys to real fans. Well, mm-hmm. like, as soon as he, he, like, you know, he told me we were doing this interview and he told me about you. And I've been listening to every single song of yours that I can find on YouTube since. And I, <laughs> I love your music, you know? Thanks, guys. Well, I have to give you, a, I have to send you an MP3 so we can, uh, we can slap a bit of bourbon on the end of this episode so people can take a listen. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We finally get permission to use music. Yeah, we're not used to it. We're not going to get flagged. We're not going to get flagged. I'm getting flagged for using my own music right now. Oh, Jesus. Instagram did an update where they are like taking it seriously and they keep being like, your video's been removed. These rights belong to Casey McQuillan. And I'm like, hello. (laughs) That's me. That's the same thing with James Marandino. His uh, his move like he posts. He like, gets flagged on SLC Punk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> his own movie. It's oh my so god! It's so annoying. It's so annoying. This Literally, they, a video of Bourbon just got taken down. I was like, this is so annoying. They tried Anyways. to create the system to, to you know to save I, people, and they just created a monster. I was <laughs> just I was just trying to hear if if like a game if like a talent show game show type of show reality show is different from a game show because we had a professional game show contestant previously and i was just seeing the difference but anyways (laughs) earlier 
earlier you mentioned um you know uh you know the, when kids come and talk to you young girls and stuff to come and talk to you uh you work a lot with um the younger generation right yeah and i do you have this whole uh i think the anti-bullying stuff that you do is uh can you tell us a little bit about uh that yeah um i run an anti-bullying concert series in schools where I use some of the songs that I wrote when I was myself in middle school and high school, because I've been writing songs my whole life, you know, and I go back to uh, schools and I tell kids the stories behind these songs, you know, I've always used music as a way to sort through some of the more difficult things I've been, I go through. And so when I was 13 and 15 and 17, I wrote songs about what it felt like to be 13 and 15 and 17. And, now I have the opportunity, you know, instead of as an adult trying to remember what it felt like to be that age, I actually have songs that immortalize my feelings from that time. And so I can go back and I, I've structured my program to, I call it an anti-bullying program, but it's really a, it's an empathy building program. Um, I think as adults, we sometimes forget that like kids, their brains literally aren't structured the same way as us. Well, and then uh, sorry about this. We have That's something okay. popping up on screen. It says the meeting will end in ten minutes. Upgrade now to remove uh, to remove the. If something happens, we'll just, we'll just redo the. We'll just redo it. Okay. The, like if it shuts down, we'll just call her back. I guess. Sure. Yeah. Okay. We don't want to pay. I don't uh, know what's Zoom. going on with this. Yeah, it must be a new thing to add. Keep going. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I have these songs that I wrote when I was thirteen and fifteen and seventeen and you know, have the opportunity as an adult to go back into schools and use those time capsules from those periods in my life to talk to kids about what they're going through. And I, I pitched the program as an anti-bullying program, but I really view the program more as a as an empathy building program, because I think as adults, we kind of forget, like when you're 13, you are just like so self-involved. It's like unbelievable, but like that's normal, right? That's brain chemistry. That's how it works. Yeah. And so I don't think any kid, even like these, these kids that we think of as bullies, they don't think of themselves that way. Their parents don't think of them that way. They're kids going through something who are not realizing how that the person they're making fun of or picking on is like a full person. Like we treat it as adults, we go into middle schools and we're like, we treat it like we would a workplace harassment case. And it's like, no, these are kids. And I found that just by going into schools and talking about stories, that the protagonist is myself or someone I love. And we were the ones being picked on and building that empathy arc and talking about the feelings and then ending it with a song that I wrote at the time that fully encompasses that vulnerability and those feelings. It like switches something in these kids' brain where they're like, oh my God, is that how Sally feels? And it's 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 wild to say, but genuinely a lot of these kids, they really actually haven't sat with their emotions for 20 minutes and thought about how their actions might be hurting other people. And similarly, when I tell these stories about myself, I'm doing it from a perspective of being in my 20s, being on that stage, being successful and happy and it gives a light that it's like, I blamed myself at that age for the way I was being treated. And it's so obvious now as an adult and when we reflect together with the audience that it's obviously wasn't my fault. Like, no, it's never the fault of a person being picked on. And it also helps kids build empathy for themselves. 
that they can have that experience, which will happen again, that they are picked on or made fun of or embarrassed. And instead of their brain shutting down and being like, you're awful, you're a loser, you're the worst, everyone hates you. I hope that there's a little voice in their head, like, well, Casey was not a loser. Casey's not the worst. And this happened to her, so maybe I'm not. And so really in that way, yes, it is an anti-bullying program, but it has a, I'm trying to get to people's like emotional internal worlds more than like programs that are like, what do you do if somebody's mean to you? Like this is go to a guidance counselor. And those are super important, but I think they work really well in conjunction with my program. When I go to schools, I try to um, recommend that I am first. If they're having like an anti-bullying week, I try to, I try to insist I go first because the programs, I have heard over and over and over from schools that their programs after I come in are so much more effective. The kids are so much more open and willing to talk about their feelings and engage because they've been like prepped for an hour with me, with music, with a concert in a way that they're open to and feel safe for them, you know? So anyway, all that being said, you can tell I love doing the shows. I play mainly for middle school and high schools. And so anybody listening, if you have uh, a niece or nephew or a child, uh, that is in that age in those schools, you can go to my website, which is listen to Casey.com Casey, like my name, C-A-S-E-Y, listen to Casey.com. And you'll see a bunch of information um, about my program and you can watch some of the program. I was actually recently on the Kelly Clarkson show talking about this program. Um, and so I would just love, I'm, I'm booking for fall 2022 right now. And I'd love to come to your school. Oh, hell yeah. But man, I think that is just so amazing. And like so many things you said, it was just like, wow, man, like, cause every single bullying act is like, don't bully cause it's bad. Okay. You know, and, <laughs> and you, and you, you actually build on their empathy and you got them thinking like why they shouldn't bully because it's bad. Like not just, you know, they, well, they, also the word bullying them. has no meaning. Anymore. Oh yeah. Yeah. Really. It doesn't mean like, any, what? it's, it's, if you, people... ta- sorry. oh, sorry, please go ahead. I talked too much. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Yeah, like I agree with you. Like, for example, and we we like downplay the the word and meaning the meaning of the word bully, and we downplay the word bully. Like we we freaking bully each other. We bully each other all the time, but it's consensual. It's okay. Consensual. You know, bully. but like so, like everyone's like, ah, oh, bullying's nothing. But you know, I am. So I know what you mean. But it's just beautiful that you're you're building on their empathy, and you're making like them. Ever, you know, you're you're not making. You're getting them to think about how they're treating. Not you're not talking about just the victims of bullying or you're like these messages sink through to the people oh i'm sorry i have no other word to use other than bullying now you make me not the perpetrators the perpetrators you know the people being mean are actually sitting down and thinking about you know like after listening to you and 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 building on their empathy they sit down and think about their actions and now oh my god i am being mean mean and you i got i got this crazy this i think is the story that just sums it up most perfectly to me I went to the school, I go to schools all the time. And, you know, there's, I would say like in an auditorium of a thousand kids, there's usually like three or four kids who are like going through it. Like they are in dire straits. And then there's like 500 kids who are just like being 12 sucks. And they're like, they're struggling, you know? And so I will hear from those like three or four kids. I actually usually ask teachers to preemptively give like VIP passes to like 20 kids who they think could really use extra time with me after the program because 
you know, the cheerleader and the football captain have no problem running after me in the hallway to grab a selfie. And like, that's awesome. I'm, I'm, I love that they have that confidence in themselves, but yeah. usually the kids that could use extra time with me aren't comfortable doing that. And I got this letter. Um, I've, I've talked, I just talked about this on a different podcast because now it's top of my mind, you know, um, from this girl who was in the sixth grade and had cancer. And she wrote me this like email because I give all the kids my contact info, you know, um, in the way that like an 11 year old does like so, so simple, like a 40 word email and it like broke me. And she emailed me and she's like, yeah, like, hey, Casey, like I have cancer. And before you came, nobody would sit with me at lunch because they didn't want to catch the cancer. Oh, my God. But after you came, everybody wants to sit with me at lunch. So it's better. Thanks. And I literally got it right and like fell to my floor and like was bawling crying. Absolutely. But if, if you that is what I mean, that is what I mean that like, don't you remember that age, how easily the phrase catch the cancer could happen if she was already kind of unpopular to begin with and didn't have that many friends and it would become funny and kids are so self centered. These aren't high, like high school students would know you can't do that. Like yeah. middle schoolers are children. Like they don't, they don't, they don't, they kind of don't know like the mob mentality, like, and it, I, my show comes in and like breaks the mob mentality where they must've all been in the audience been like, oh my God, we've been telling Sally you can catch. Cause I have a story about someone who was sick and ostracized a person very close to me, sick and ostracized as a child and the, the effects that that had on his mental health into adulthood. And that's what I mean by empathy building that 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 it's it can be difficult for kids to remember that the kids around them like have hearts and families and like need support, you know. Do you ever feel like um, it's it's better to talk to um, students while they're at a very young age about this and that like there kind of comes a point where like walls can be built? Because like I was picked on a lot um, in high school is when most of it started for me. And it seemed like when I first moved to this new town in middle in, in uh, elementary school, it had really no problem making a couple friends through middle school and junior high. But then once I got to high school, that's when like the fights started, the beatings, the, the you know, the, the real like the real aggressive and just like violent natured and angry things, the kind of things that make you resentful you know, mm. to, for, to people still this day when you, when you see them on the street. Yeah. You know, I would say I actually have a different tone of voice when I go to middle schools as opposed to high schools, because, you know, middle schools, I feel like I try to come at it like they're, you know, their older cousin, like the older cousin you would call if you got in trouble and you were afraid to call your parents. Like that's how I'm pitching myself to middle schools. But with high schools, I'm I'm taking a bit a bit of a different tactic. I try to speak to them as equals and recognize that they're just young adults and I'm just not that young of an adult, you know, like their emotional experience and their intelligence is full, complete. They are they people don't give high schoolers enough credit. Um, and so I feel like I feel like the program is still successful because I'm actually able to have a bit of a more nuanced emotional conversation. And when I approach high schoolers, what I try to do is talk about 
the experiences that they were having in middle school, that they might have been having in ninth grade. I try to talk about how can we reflect on what has happened to us and how it makes us feel about ourselves and how we're going to choose to be moving forward. And I try to take like, that's what I'm doing, right? I'm thinking about how my life was in middle school and high school. And so because we're equals, we're all together thinking about how our lives were in middle school and high school. And so it's it's a definitely a different program. Like middle schools are in some ways are more fun for me to play because I come out and the kids are like, woo, already. Like they're so excited up there. And high schools, I come out and they're like, yeah, I mean, like, whatever. Like, I don't even care. And then what I do is I just come out and I just sing my American Idol audition, which is, like, the best song I can sing. And I play for a wide array of schools. You know, I play for really low-income schools. I play for some of the most expensive private schools in the country. And when I was playing for my first really low-income school, it was actually literally to this day one of the best shows I ever did in my life. It really was. Everett High School, if anyone's listening, love you guys still to this day. And... My, my mom's from Everett. We have a lot of family ties in Everett. But Everett is like a, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, like lower middle income community. And, um, you know, there's a ton of people that from different ethnic backgrounds and religions and socioeconomic statuses. And I'm well aware that I'm like rolling in as a white girl in a sparkly dress. Like I get that, that that's, that's what I carry with me coming into this space. Yeah. And the way that I approach high school is I don't assume they're going to pay attention to me. And what I do if I if I'm getting the vibe that it's a really sassy high school is I'll go on stage and I'll say, "Listen, I want to make a deal with you guys." I say, "I'm going to sing one song and you got to pay attention. One song." And I say, "And if I'm not the best singer you've ever heard, you don't have to pay attention for the rest of the set. But if I am the best singer you've ever heard, you have to give me the benefit of the doubt and listen to what I got to say." And the kids sit back and they're like, okay, right? And then I sing some version. And the truth is, there's a million singers in the world that are great singers. But the energy is I come in and I say, it's me saying, I know I have to earn your respect. I want to earn it. Can I please have the opportunity to earn your attention? And I have to say, it's a... It, it came to me that first, it was my first high school show. And the kids, the principal was introducing me and the kids talked straight over her. They did not stop. I'm, and my mom was backstage and she was like, oh my God. But I get like very calm before shows. And I looked at her and I was like, mom, I got it. And it just, I walked on stage and I felt it. There was like a thousand kids in the audience. And I just felt, I felt what to do. And that's what I said. And it worked. And it was the best show I've ever played ever. It was the best humanitarian show, <laughs> show I've ever done. The kids would be dead silent when I was talking and singing. And after my shot, each song, they would get up and give me a sitting ovation. And then they would sit back down and be super quiet. I literally got mobbed after the show for, I was the best. I took, they also follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Like I love, it was the best, but it was because I didn't show up. One, I treated them as equal. I, I showed up like, like if kids talk, I'll like tell them to shut up from stage. I'm like, hey, shut up. <laughs> and like, and I try to act not like a teacher really hard. I try to not act like a teacher. Absolutely. Um, and that's why we pitch it as a concert. I, it's only about 30, 30% of it is singing, but we pitch it as a concert because kids are willing to listen to singers and athletes in a way that they're not willing to listen to other people. And so we lean in with my American Idol stuff and my big social media following. We like lean, I, I start with that so that I can get the kids attention and then then we end up going on this like thing together. So I really love it. Um, I really miss doing it in person. I can't wait for the fall um, to be back in person. I, I'm just, it's going to be the best. Oh yeah. Um, where do you think uh, bullying comes from? 
Like why 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 do bullies exist? I have a really I have a really specific this is part of my program actually. I'll give you my like little my little snippet. So one of the stories I tell is about my little brother who was very <laughs> sick as a child and really, 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 really like bullied doesn't cover it, you know? Like it was really bad. I was bullied like a normal way. Like kids just like threw spitballs at me when I gave student council presentations, like very standard stuff. But my brother's wasn't, it wasn't like a Disney movie, right? It was darker than that. And I tell this whole story of my brother and his experience and how painful it was. And how he's still, you know, he's still in therapy as like a full grown adult trying to deal with some of this stuff, right? And I sing this song. I usually cry during this part of the set. Like it's really heavy. This is this is my family's like pain, right? This this period of our life was the hardest thing any of us have ever gone through. And I tell this whole story. And the audience is 100% on my brother's side at this point. They are fucking pissed on his behalf. And I sing the song and I usually cry. And I get to the end of the song and I say, and you know, I ran into those kids whose faces and names I will never forget. Everyone in my hometown knows who I am because of my music career, right? So they recognized me. And I'm at some like local bar and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so-and-so, right? And my blood starts to boil. And they go, you're, you're Patrick McQuillan's sister, right? How's he doing? Man, he was such a good kid. They don't remember. Because yeah. they didn't wake up every day going, <laughs> know what I'm gonna do today? I'm gonna pick on the sick kid. That's what I'm gonna do. But that's how movies portray bullies, right? Yeah. And that's how I was seeing them, to be quite honest. I was like these sociopaths, right? That's not what was going on. These kids were normal 12 year olds who probably were not receiving enough support at home, didn't have good behavior uh, like shown to them in their home, right? And they went to school and all 13 year olds hate themselves. All 13 year olds feel insecure. And all 13 year olds do is quip at each other in the hallways and pick on each other. And so they were in the hallway, like every other 13 year old. And somebody said something about you. And somebody said something to them that made them insecure, right? So they looked around the hallway for the easiest target to deflect that insecurity. And my brother was sick. So he was an easy target. And so they would pick on him. They would, th they would look, find him in one second. They would think of something cruel to say in one second. They would say it in one second. Everyone would laugh. They would feel reinstated to their social standing and they would move on. Because you have to remember kids aren't adults. Yeah. They are children. They don't freaking realize what they're doing. And then also on the other end, children are more sensitive. When they get picked on, it ruins their life. They don't have a strong sense of identity, right? Like they are forming their identities. And so you have this horrible combination of people who don't understand empathy on a deep level and people who are incredibly sensitive to criticism. And so when you say what makes a bully, I like genuinely don't think bullies exist. I think of course on the extremes, there are some kids who like need 
extreme mental help. I'm not talking about those students. I'm not talking about kids who need psychiatric intervention, right? That is a different thing. I'm not a therapist. I do not know what to do for a dangerous kid. A dangerous kid, yeah. What I'm talking about, and by the way, those kids are, those kids are so mentally broken that they are trying to reinstate control through a incredibly unproductive way because there's no such thing as a bad 10 year old that doesn't exist what's what's a bad child what's a bad 10 year old 10 year old can't be bad i think i think you have a broken child who's who is not getting the support that they need but what i'm talking about is the 99 percent of us because i guarantee you I guarantee it. I I think I'm an, a really empathetic person. I think that's why I'm a songwriter. I think that's why I work with kids. But I guarantee you there's at least one person in the world who every time they see me post a freaking podcast talking about bullying, they're like, Casey McQuillan said the meanest thing to me one time. And now she's like on TV. Like I guarantee it. And to that person, I apologize. I, I'm sure I did. Because we're all, we were all little shits. All of us were little shits. But for real, and, you're right. No. Even the best of us were little shits because, and we all can remember the horrible things that we said that one time at the school dance and the 10 year old, why did I say that? Right? Like we all can remember it. And so these kids weren't bullies that were formed. These kids were normal kids who were not being given positive role models on how to behave. And it ended up the, it ended up having a way worse effect than they ever intended could have thought of would have ever they they literally think of my brother fondly and ask how he is to his older sister they do not remember and that is the that is the pinnacle of my empathy story with the kids i i take like 40 minutes to build up to that because what i'm saying to the kids is i know you're not a bully I know your mother tells you you are the nicest, sweetest boy in the whole world. I know you got the team leadership award from your soccer camp. It doesn't fucking matter. You are just as capable of hurting other people unintentionally as anyone else. And that you need to think about your actions because they they somebody could be in therapy 15 years later because of something you say today. And that is the part that blows these kids' minds is that these people weren't bullies. There's no such thing as a bully. And when and that's the problem is you try to if my parents had approached these kids' parents and been like your child your your son is bullying my child. Well, all of a sudden those parents are like, how dare you say my son is a bully? He won the spirit award from his soccer camp. (laughs) Bully is like this evil thing. Good children say things that they don't understand the consequences to all the time. And so that's what I mean about when I go, when when we start bullying weeks, anti bullying weeks at schools and they start with my program. It's like, a, it's like an hour of the kids learning that this is, ac- they're the problem. Yeah. Kids tune out. They're like, I'm not the problem. I'm not mean. They're not mean, but you're still the fucking problem. And we're all the problem. And so that's why the programs are so much more effective after I come in, is that the kids are willing to listen like they're involved in it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's, it's literally mind-blowing shit. Like, because without, like, some, uh, such upbringing, 
without like uh, lessons that you're distilling or if uh, if any, no one distilled these lessons in these people, you go up. You grow up still kind of doing like to this day. Like I was bullied in high school. I try to be empathetic as possibly can, and I have said some shit to people that have just crushed them, and and, and like found out later. And I'm like, no, not me. I, I don't bully. I was bullied, and they're like, no, yeah, bro, you bullied. And I'm like, oh, no. Well, you know, adulthood, adulthood bullying is just saying things like it's putting your foot in your mouth, right? Like literally a week ago, a week ago, I was out to dinner with my sister and my best friend and she said something and I said in this casual environment, I responded to what she said, like one of her friends, I was like, yeah, I mean, he's super weird. So, and like, he was weird. He had made me feel really uncomfortable last time we all hung out, but I did not say it tactfully. I said it way too honestly it was not cool and I like put on my big girl pants and fucking sent her an apology text message two hours later because I was still thinking about it and I didn't say I'm sorry if I made you feel uncomfortable I said I'm sorry I said something inappropriate I'm sorry I spoke out of turn because I'm not sorry if no I'm sorry about my actions and guess what then, then our relationship, the trust is restored. Then, th- right, that's people, people, she felt respected, heard, valued. So we all say dumb shit, but that's the goal, right? It's like the goal is to own up, own up. And it's this whole thing of like, imagine you're a 12 year old boy and you, you come from a house where your dad is like, these freaking snowflakes, like back in my day, I just punched somebody in the face. And like, what are you supposed oh, God, to do? Is, I know that's everyone's upbringing and like this region right here. And like, if you don't think like that, then you, you know, you're, you're a weak snowflake and stuff like my dad taught me to beat up everybody and just shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Day. And it's like, a, like snowflake, like, okay, like I'm sensitive to my feelings and other people's feelings. Like, thank you. Thanks. I'm really glad the empathy work I've been doing on myself has worked. So I just really think that, um, there's a huge, there's a huge empathy deficit in our lives. Social media is making it worse. Um, and as somebody who's in the entertainment industry, who has a big social media following, I have I have the ability. Like I don't know if you guys said you were on my YouTube. I don't know if you saw my song Beautiful. Yeah. Um, but that I wrote that song at 17 years old, and that is one of the songs I sing in schools. Um, and the stories that I tell is like I was really picked on. I was like the class valedictorian head of student council, leading the school play. I was Miss Overachiever. And so the thing kids picked on me for was my appearance. And to this day, that is still the place where you can hurt me. Like I got, I I posted, I had like a reel go a little viral on Instagram the other day, which is great, good for me, yay. But these these like troll boys commenting like, this song fucking sucks. Like, (laughs) this is the most generic bullshit. And it was so funny because it didn't bother me at all because I was like, LOL, have fun with your garage band project. Like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I actually started my sister. I was like, well, it's a good sign that all they can say is that it sounds like all the other pop music. That's great. Maybe I'll get like, like, they're not like, this is bad. It's like, this is so generic, right? But the second somebody comments on my thing and it's like, like, oh, like, did you gain weight? I clam up. I get hot. 
I want to delete oh. the comment. I'm humiliated because that's yeah. my trigger place, right? I don't feel insecure about my intelligence, my talent, my capability. I feel insecure about my appearance because at 13, like that was what I was hit on over and over and over again. Yeah. And so, you know, I have the song Beautiful that there's a music video for online and I, I sing in schools. My uh, title track of my most recent album uh, is a song called Skinny, which oh, yeah, I wrote I was about my like adulthood relationship with weight and appearance and dating yeah. and all these complicated things. But it's telling that, you know, it's 15 years later and the stuff I'm writing about and putting out on my album is still stuff about my insecurities around my appearance. And I, I say that as someone who I conform to a lot of society's beauty standards. And I still, it doesn't matter how many men on the internet tell me I'm beautiful. Like I, I, I have voices in my head that have been there since I was a child and it's hard for me to get, go get past. And songwriting has just that like at 17, at this age now, it's always been a way that I try to deal with those feelings and thoughts. Yeah, absolutely understand. But I do, I really love the, like one of the last lines of those songs on Skinny. They're like, yeah, but she doesn't eat pizza at 2 a.m. And I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. That's the difference between, you know, in the song Beautiful, the bridge is the mother. Yeah. Absolutely. Grows up and looks at her child and says, wait, I don't want her to feel like she needs to comply to beauty standards. She is beautiful. But that same mother is dieting, Weight Watchers, yeah, yeah. 100 calorie packs, right? So of course that daughter is gonna learn that same fucking cycle of self-hate, right? And the difference is in the song Skinny after 15 years of therapy yeah. is in the bridge. It's me saying, but if I were to be as thin as society wants me to be, I wouldn't be, be me because yeah, I wouldn't be exactly. drinking. I wouldn't be eating pizza with my friends. I wouldn't be going to Italy to like go eat pasta. Like I, my life, I like my life. I don't want to change my life to, ex to get to the body I want. I want to live my life and accept the body that comes out when I live my life. But that's a very hard thing to do for a lot of people. And it's a really hard thing for me to do, I know specifically. So, you know, that's what's really difficult about being an artist. And a lot of times is like, I'm sitting here on this podcast with you guys. This isn't something I fully worked through. Like it's still something that's really sensitive for me. And oh, yeah. when inevitably there's 17 comments on this, you know, on this podcast being like, well, just stop eating you fat bitch. Like oh that Jesus is hard. Christ to see but that's yeah. the kind of comments you get like when you're a woman in you know when i sang beautiful the comments i would get would people come up to me like oh my god you're gorgeous right but when i sing skinny people come up to me and go you're really brave Absolutely. because i am society standards of beautiful but i am not society standards of thin and so it's a very different experience singing the song skinny than singing the song beautiful because when i sang beautiful it was constantly people affirming me, oh my God, you shouldn't worry about that. You shouldn't feel that way. But when I sing Skinny, people go, wow, I've never heard that you're so brave to get up on stage and sing that. And it's a different experience. It's it's challenging. Yeah. Sorry I, um, if this is a no swearing podcast, by the way. I, I should have. Oh, fuck, no, it's not. I didn't, I didn't get that vibe from the sword in the background, but like, I, I don't know, you know. Yeah, we fucking love Zelda. <laughs> 
drinking beer. Drinking no beer. curse words. You though. watch your goddamn. Yeah, you should put a trigger warning on this episode for the the quote that I just quoted the trolls. That might quote that might trigger someone. I apologize. Oh no 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 no. Oh, we don't care what they yeah, think. Just, we're no, the we're the beer guys. No, yeah, yeah, I don't think a lot of like yeah. I wonder how many like body conscious women listen to your beer podcast. I'm, I'm not sure yeah. how many, Strangely, but we'll see. Strangely, well, probably dude, a lot. We I adore to... what you are doing because I am body conscious. All right, like when I'm growing up, like I never had a, a nice girl working up, up here, right? And but like I was also raised by like you know uh, uh, the, the the father kind of that you were talking about. Like you don't take shit from no one. Fuck them snowflakes. Yeah, and uh, like you know, so like as they bullied. Like, they bullied me, like, what it was growing up, I had too many teeth in my mouth. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, like, or, like, they're too big. You know, I had big old buck teeth. And it, and the dentist was like, literally, we got to remove some of these. We got to work on this. This kid's going to have horrible teeth in the future. And my stepdad was like, I want a paper. So. Ouchie. None of that never happened. All right, so I got too much, or too, they're all pushed together. And it looks just like a mess in my mouth. And people made fun of me for it and stuff like that. But I, I. We fought. Like, I didn't, I wasn't like, oh, man. Like, I mean, yeah, it hurt my feelings. And, you know, I, that was just the armor I put on. It's like I could, like, even though I wasn't the kid going home and just, like, moping about it and being sad about it doesn't mean I wasn't fucking sad about it. Of course. It fucking hurt my feelings. And it's That's wild. That's why I hit the guy because it hurt my feelings, you know? Right. And, and so, like, growing up with that mentality, like, someone makes fun of you, you just fucking hit them, son. You know, that's what I learned, you know? Uh, and then, and like, that's, like, it's so problematic because, like, yeah, hitting somebody probably made you, like, again, right? We were talking about if you okay. regain control oh, and social and male social standing in that moment. One but, story I would love to tell you is uh, I actually ended up feeling bad for my bully. Like, uh, uh, one of the situations, like, I'm telling you about, and uh, a fight broke out, and I really, really... Oh. Did some damage to this kid, oh. and then like, growing up, I was like, oh my god, he didn't deserve that. Like he was being exactly like you're talking about. Had I not hit him, he would have said his mean comment, and and the kids would have left, and he would have felt validated, and he would have went back on with his life, and he would have never thought much about it. All right, like he was not a bad. It's like it didn't take me. It didn't take me until adulthood in high school. I started thinking about how like this guy wasn't a bad guy, but I did some bad things to him. And it's like, that is, it's literally been like, uh, like, it's haunted me. You know, like, not like, it came to a point to where, like, bullying didn't haunt me, haunt me, but then, like, man, what I did to him was, like, bullying. Well, it made you behave, it made you behave in a way that isn't consistent with your moral values. Exactly. So now, and, I, like, I yeah. feel like shit for it. And I, 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 like, later in life told him, like, dude, I'm so sorry. Good. I'm glad like, you're Like, you know. His senior year, I failed a lot. I, wasn't I mean, I would, <laughs> no, I would, but... I would love to go to high schools and uh, tell people that you know, hey, you know, don't bully, you know, that you know, don't pick on, don't ostracize that that random person because they'll probably end up like me. You know, I I have a hard time fitting in even with these two guys. He's so cynical. <laughs> I, I am. It, I, I'm jaded on just about everything that you can be jaded on. I, I'm jaded on the fact. I mean. It surprises me talking to you even, you know, because I'm just like, wow, there are good people in the world. Go figure. (laughs) Well, here's the thing, you know, I think like I literally had therapy this morning before I came on with you guys. And I think I'm like 
so on top of my shit. Like I've been in therapy for 15 years and I'm like very privileged that I have the opportunity to do that, but it's something I get a ton out of. And I'm the friend everyone comes to for advice. Like I see through bullshit. I don't let guys like mess around. Like I'm like, right, I got my head on straight. And I literally had a conversation with my therapist today where he like basically pointed out that I have like really weird relationship with money. Like this is like, you know what I mean? From like my, from my childhood. And he's like, that's like not a normal response. Like you've had like a non-normal response. And he really pushed me. And I'm sitting here being like, that's really interesting. Like am I, I thought I was handling it like really well, but like maybe I, I overcorrected, right? And I'm gonna think about it for the next week, like, right? And I was thinking like, uh -huh. wow, I'm really glad. I had this thought that I was like, I'm really glad that this has been brought up now and I can work on it for the next year instead of it coming out in my marriage. When I get married and I get some, I get weirdly mad at my husband for something, right? Like, and so what I would say is like, this, like you're, like you're cynical. My dad always says the, the, the smart, he's a really smart guy. He says really, we call him, his name's Mark. We call him Markisms. Me and my manager, like just like profound things that my dad says all the time. And something he's always said since we were little kids is be careful the story you choose because you will become the main character in it. And what he's saying is if, if your, if your story is that you were picked on. So you're cynical, you're cynical bastard. That's what you are, right? Oh, no one gets me. It's self reinforcing because you're the main character in this cynical story. So what would the cynical main character do? And similarly, like my identity is like, I've got it all figured out. And so it's self reinforcing when I get feedback that doesn't align with me having it figured out. I'm like, no, like I always have everything figured out. And so that's honestly why I think I've gotten so much out of therapy is like, don't let the bastards win. Like, don't like, you know what I mean? Like those people were awful to you. And now like, now, now you, you know, are surprised that the anti-bullying advocate is actually like a good person. <laughs> like, I feel like looking at him and I'm like, and how did that make you feel? I mean, really, yeah. not, 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 not much of anything in that regard. <laughs> yeah. Not much but, of anything, AKA the I point. Mean, uh, did, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but at the very beginning of this uh, this interview, you said that uh, you had the the um, the option of being on the boys. Oh, the I just, oh, the I voice. Not the, uh, not, the, the not the Amazon series. Oh, <laughs> what's I, the Amazon series? Uh, the the boys. Oh my God, no, but I have heard of that. I've heard it's very good. Okay, see, that, that's why I had to ask was because my, my thought process was is if you did get an offer, like who oh did you God. get offered to play? I am the like... worst actress in the whole world. Do you want to know why I'm not on Broadway? I cannot act for shit. I am, I'm unwatchable, unwatchable. Oh, no. Yeah, no, it's not a skill of mine for sure. <laughs> Honestly, if she was on the boys, well, that no, because really the, 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 up everything no, else. The, 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 the reason why I bring that up is because one, I heard wrong, and two, I heard the boys too. I just well, knew what she meant. Well, and <laughs> two, two, if um, you know, if I had heard wrong, if or if I hadn't heard wrong, and she did say yes, she got offered to be on the boys. My whole thing was is like. <laughs> Well, you see how cynical I am. It's like, it's been my favorite comic book since it came out. 
No it's, it's, I, I truly believe that if people had superpowers, they'd be that bad. No, I know, and it's like it's like uh, it's like what's it? Um, the West Wing versus um, like the other that big show where he pushed it. Well, I don't want to give away spoilers, <laughs> spoilers, but you know what I'm talking about. But guys, I gotta run because LOL, I have another interview right now. I'm three okay. minutes late. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, final two questions before we uh, leave, get you to go. We, yes. we, we ask these questions to every single person that comes on the podcast. Uh, it's quick questions. Uh, Nickelback or Creed? Okay, Nickelback. Weird. Fuck yes. I love yeah, Nickelback. Nickelback. Oh, oh, man. Look at this photograph. Hey, she's got song. taste. Was, Look at this graph. She's got I love taste. that meme, man. I love that meme. Okay, what's the second question? The second question is, has the Illuminati contacted you? And if they do, uh, will you join them? Uh, first rule about Fight Club, never talk about Flight Club. Oh, good answer. <laughs> the uh, best answer. It's a very cynical one. <laughs> yeah, now I think she's part of the Illuminati, bro. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Her new album, Skinny, is available everywhere. Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. Such a good album. Pick know, it up. Uh, Listen to it. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. And I'll send you an MP3 taste. My favorite, so my favorite like song taste. is Taste from the uh, album. That would work pretty well. Maybe that can be your intro song to the podcast, you yeah, know? Because yeah. if you're listening, you've got a taste in your opinions, you get taste in beer. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Miss Casey. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, for guys. So Have a great fun. rest of your day, okay? All right. You too. We did at least an hour with Casey McQuillan. McQuillan. Oh, she was amazing. Amazing man. interview. Uh, I'm going to write this beer. <clears throat> a fucking one. You hated that bad? No, it's a five. <laughs> It's still a six. Still, I'd give it a six. I still like. Well, like Casey was such a great inner. It was such a great. Yeah, you interview. know, because of Casey Decker's Brewing Company, you get a six point five. Out six point five. Put me in a good. Well, mood. I was gonna say like, well, Casey had a great point when we're like, we we tried the beer at the beginning of the show. She's like, you know what? Drink on it. You know, and so and uh, see how you feel at the end of the episode. And if you're. Uh, if your rating changed. But Casey was such a great interview and I was so enthralled by everything that she had to say. I wasn't thinking about the beer. I wasn't thinking about like how it felt in my mouth, no pun intended, uh, and whether or not the, the, the rating should change. I was so encaptivated by everything that she was talking about that at the end of the, end of the interview, it's still a five because I forgot to fucking think about it. And I'm gonna give it a six, uh, how, uh, maybe a five, maybe a six. It, do we buy more from Director? Yes, but not that fucking beer particularly. But okay, so it wasn't it wasn't horrible to the point where we won't try more of their beers. Yeah, but it was horrible to the point like wasn't I mean hor- they're all twenty five. It wasn't bucks. it wasn't oh yeah, dude, it's not worth twenty five oh wait, all their beers are twenty five bucks? Yeah. No, fuck that brewing company. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe try it one more time. You got like dude, what, is last that, chance. This is, this is a the five. First Drecker? Is this the first yeah, Drecker? Yeah, the first beer? we've had on. Alright, you try one more Drecker beer. And if it's shit too, like, bro, there won't be a third. (laughs) (laughs) Twenty-five fucking dollars, there won't be a third. (laughs) Uh, Before we end, I have have something to say. Yes? I'm like Keenan. I'm a horrible, monstrous person. Person? Wait, you said you're like me? Yeah, I'm like you. Oh my god, you're bullying me. I'm like you now. I'm so mad. I'm not a horrible, monstrous person. Why would you say this to me? I, I stole. Oh no! Yeah, okay. Uh, I've done that. Oh, <laughs> no, man, no. Like, uh, uh, my mind. Oh yeah, we were gonna talk about this. <laughs> I don't know if you. I've never. When I, when I picked you up today, did you notice I had different glasses on? I did. You know what happened? 
I lost my glasses at a water park. Yeah, I, I heard about your adventures at the water park. Just look at that right there, ladies and gentlemen. You can see that there's no... Uh, well, these are broken. These are broken shades. But I have... But it means it's uh, actual glasses. In my day-to-day -day life, I wear actual glasses. I lost them at a water park. And I, I said, you know what? I just have to enjoy my day at the water park and figure out what's going to happen in the end. At the end of the day, I started coming. I'm like, how am I going to get home? I cannot see stuff. I'm two hours away. How am I going to get home? You know, like, man, oh, that, that is a, a good question. But, like, you know, when you lose your glasses at the water park, it's like I can freak out. Like, I'm at the water park either way. I can freak out about this or, or handle it later. Like, when you worry, you suffer twice. So just enjoy yeah. your day. I mean, that. I mean, the, the, you know, the lifeguard tried to find them. He couldn't find them. Oh, he didn't try that hard. He's like, no, he, he searched like, he searched like no. the whole thing, but it was hard to do when people were sliding down yeah, the slide. Well, good for him. Cause like in reality, you cut, I'm a lifeguard at a water park, not a fucking pool, but a <laughs> water park. And you come to me like, I lost the glasses. Like my first response would be like, they're gone, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and so, guess where I go at the end of the day? Uh, uh, Imart? I go to Lost, Lost and Found. Oh, yeah? They, oh, you took, oh, I see. <laughs> it's all coming together. Lost and Found has two of totes. Of course you can't see. They weren't prescribed to you. Lost and Found has two totes. No, they had a tote for like a couple of bags, and then they had a tote. Glasses. And glasses they, and they, shades. They had glasses. Did you try a fuckload on it until like, I, finally one was kind of suitable? I seen one. Put it towards my face, suit him enough to drive. I took him. Is that stealing? Yeah. No. no. <laughs> you can taking shit from the lost and found is never stealing. Is it finding? It's less. <laughs> it it's le it is less than honest, but it's it, it's it's between less. I than was honest. like, I gotta get home. It's a guy was trying to tell you that he's just as fucking low as you are for stealing a pair of fucking glasses, <laughs> and you're gonna give him the high road. Yeah, because you're gonna hey, give him. Uh, you're hey, gonna hand it to hey, him. I'm not You're a fucking thief, Adam. You stole some fucking guy's you vision. Piece of shit. No, you stole some woman. random asshole's they're vision. Probably a woman. They're like woman's glasses, I think. Aren't you well, you they're, fucking thief? On the level of honesty, there there is notches, and what you did is is like three notches down. It's like a but. It's, it's, it's from it's, a zero. It's like a negative three. It's like, it's like punk. Is it punk? It's pop punk. The punk. <laughs> no, it's punk. But what I did, I pop punk stole. You know? <laughs> and it's like, well, like what you did was dishonest, but it wasn't thievery. Yeah, he walked you know? in there, he said, Bob went to Bob, to bang to bang. bang. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Adam! <laughs> <laughs> no, well, like, you just mentioned new metal. You should have said something like pop punk lyrics, like, Welcome to my life. Yeah. You ever had no vision? You ever lose your glasses at the water park? Well, welcome to my life. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. Final thoughts on me taking glasses from the Lost and No, Found. my final thoughts is I'm not that much of a monster, and I'm not that low. Where's this coming from? Well, that's, I don't know. I was just helping Adam. That's just your opinion. No, it's that's all we have here. <laughs> and that's all we have here are opinions, opinions and beer. We are a mix.